Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that has more taste than a grilled Spam and cheese sandwich. Well, maybe not. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast coming to you from the smoke-filled recording studios here in the heart of the South, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. It is a Yankee Doodle dandy of an edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show, because today is Thursday, July 4th. 2013 it is the united states birthday the day we uh, declared our independence and we're coming to you to help celebrate the fourth of july uh for those of you out in the rest of the world that might be listening it's the fourth of july there but it just doesn't mean anything to you so anyway that goes back to the old joke what you know do they have a fourth of july in england yeah sure they do they mourn the day that we kicked their butts the first time anyway tonight's show Pipe parts. Going to talk about the length of your shank, the size of your shank. I mean, uh, the shank on the pipe. And my guest, Bill Hirsch, you'll have to hear this one to believe it. Bill is part of the uh, members of the clergy that pipe uh, that are pipe smokers. However, he's a Buddhist priest. So we'll talk to Bill. Uh, music specifically for the 4th of July celebration around here. Mailbag rant at the end, and you're going to want to hang on for this rant because I've been loaded up and holding on to this one for about, oh, five, six days. So let me tell you what's going on around here just real quickly so you know. The IPCPR, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association, that trade show begins a week from Sunday. I am heading off to Las Vegas next week. We will have shows every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, even while I'm gone. Unfortunately, because of the travel schedule and because of everything going on with the trade show, they're going to all be pre-recorded, but guarantee you they'll be good shows. So keep checking in every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, for more fresh new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Check us out on iTunes, please. If you're on iTunes, make sure and leave us a rating or review. All right, everybody. Let's get the show going. Sit back, relax. I want to say a special welcome and thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company for joining us. Here we go. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliffTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. Don't forget Bill Hirsch coming up in just a few minutes. In Pipe Parts, I want to talk about the shank. 
The shank is particularly important to me because I've always liked a pipe with a longer shank. A lot of wood on the shank to me has made the pipe a little smoother, a little cooler smoking. I also tend to like it because it's less, uh, less stem material, so there's an eye appeal to it. But what I'm noticing nowadays is uh, some pipe makers are taking the uh, size of the shank and flaring it out, and you see some very dramatic shank treatments, triangulating them, making them uh, uh, rectangular, diamond-shaped, flaring them out dramatically to the point where they won't fit into a pipe bag. So I thought I'd go back and let's talk about, first of all, what the basic use of the shank is. The basic part of the shank is that it gets the smoke from the bowl to the stem. That's its real job. Get the smoke, use the draft hole, get the smoke from the bowl to the stem. The shank also holds the stem in place. That's all it's really supposed to do. But for me, when I started to think about this and I started to look at my pipe collection, what it does for me also is it gives a balance to the pipe. It gives me a place to hold the pipe maybe between two fingers and across my knuckles. It gives me a place to hold on to the pipe and balance the pipe per se. But I've started to wonder why I liked the looks of pipes with longer shanks. I am in particular although not uh, not as functional, I'm a big fan of pencil shanked pipes if they're done right. To me, it's a very elegant style. A very long pencil shank with a little stem on the tip. I guess it goes back to my love of the Lovat or the Lumberman and that long shank. What that long shank does for me, in my opinion, is it keeps the smoke in contact with the wood a lot longer. And I can tell you for a fact that wood dissipates the heat of the smoke better than the vulcanite or the ebonite or the cumberland, whatever the material is that the stem is. The stems being a much harder material, they don't do anything to disseminate the heat. However, a longer shank will help with that. More contact with wood helps with that. There's also been uh, several gadgets throughout the years that have helped extend the, st the shank or extend the draw of the pipe. I guess really the first one is the, uh, the original shank extension is really kind of like the church warden or the very long clay tavern pipes. The longer the smoke takes to travel from the bowl coming up to you, the cooler the smoke is going to be. Uh, fast forward to uh, about 10 years ago, I seem to remember there was a company called Striker Pipes where it was a metal pipe, similar to like a Falcon or a, a pipe of that style, but the smoke channel went back and forth and back and forth inside the shank. So the draft hole went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And at one point, I think they said it was like 32 or 36 inches of draw. I mean, there's no way you could get a pipe cleaner through it, but you didn't wasn't intended for that in the first place. What it did was it lengthened the time that the smoke was away from the bowl to go back and forth and cool down. Now you go forward to what we're looking at today with, a, with pipe makers and you see very long shanks, very ornate shanks, a bent pipe, that one that Ben was pictured smoking, a very long drop shank like that. Those are very cool smoking pipes. Problem is, 
the briar that it takes to make a pipe like that, that's a special block of wood to have. You have to have enough room to really make it. So they're really expensive. And even for me in the business, it's very hard to get a lot of Canadians or longer shanked pipes out of a factory because those blocks of briar are special. They have to be long. They have to be good. And then when you're finishing off the shank and you're working on that shape, one little hole and all of a sudden that pipe is now a short billiard. That's the reason why Dunhill started using bamboo. The bamboo was thought to have a filtering property and helping to draw some of the tars out and it being extra soft also helped cool down the smoke. But really, in reality, what it did was it took a pipe where the shank fell off or something went wrong in the making and it extended it or elongated it. The other thing that's been done over the years to elongate a shank is you'll see horn or uh, antler used to as a shank extension. All that's been done. Now what bamboo is done for is for style and for weight. It also does make the pipe smoke a little bit cooler. Some people will say that it makes the pipe smoke a little bit more, uh, makes the pipe a little more delicate to handle because you've got a joint down at the at the bowl where the bamboo attaches and then you've got where the stem goes into it. I will say for a matter of fact that if the bamboo is done correctly by a pipe maker or a pipe company that knows what they're doing with bamboo, it's as durable as anything else. So, with all that being said, think about the size of your shank, the length of your shank, the adornments on your shank. Anybody that's putting uh, rings or ferrules or little treatments on it, those are just aesthetics and color full to uh, brighten up the pipe a little bit. Take a look at your shanks. Tell me what you think of them. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Have you ever found one of those magic pipes where anything you smoke in it tastes great? Do you know what makes a pipe magic? It's the wood. All Amadeus pipes are made from Grecian briar and come direct from the four generations family-owned briar mill. We supply wood to many of the top brand name factories and even to world-renowned pipe artisans. Now you can experience our ultra-high-grade briar at factory direct prices. We're the briar mill and we're the pipe makers. We've got every size, shape, and finish you can imagine at the best prices possible. From 50 to 150 and they're worth twice that. Get an Amadeus pipe now. They're magic and affordable. Welcome back. It is a special 4th of July edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And before we get to Bill Hirsch, Kevin had a suggestion for music. I had an idea already. I'm going to play mine right now. It's uh, Kebmo.
captain's majesty above the fruited plain America America God shed his grace on thee and crowned thy good with brotherhood from sea to shine and see Kevmo is one of the great current day old style blues players. Love that steel guitar. So there you go. Kevmo doing America the Beautiful. His name, if you want to look him up, K E B, next word M O. Kevmo. Great old stuff. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? 4Noggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from 4Noggins.com. 4Noggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. 4Noggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeerschaumStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeerschaumStore.com, the most trusted Meerschaum store for 50 years. 
Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, fellow listener, forum member, pipe smoker, and what's most interesting to me, Buddhist priest, Bill Hirsch. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. So tell everybody, what's your screen name on, on Pipes Magazine? Four Dots Cassini. Which automatically tempted or caught my attention because of my uh, admiration of the of the old Sassinis, but let's go back to the beginning. Where'd you grow up? Uh, well, I was born uh, in Toronto, grew up in Cleveland, and uh, went to school in New York, and uh, lived in Miami for too long, and now I'm out in Seattle. So you moved up and down the East Coast and then went all the way out West? Yes. And when did you start smoking a pipe? Well, in college, of course. I had to look like a big man on campus. Do you remember what the pipe was? Uh, I don't, but I'm sure it was cheap and uh, probably a terrible smoker, but I didn't know any better at the time. What was the tobacco? Oh, my gosh. Uh, probably, uh, I'm going to guess here, uh, probably, uh, I think it was walnut, actually. Good old walnut. Wow. Yeah. So you're you're in college, and what were you going to college for? Well, I majored in uh, that most oxymoronic of uh, disciplines, political science. <laughs> so, why does, so how does a how does a, a political science major transition to becoming a Buddhist priest? Good question. Well, when I uh, when I uh, finished up uh, my master's, also in political science, I was approached by an organization that was uh, contracted to the. National Security Advisor, and uh, recruited to go uh, do some studies in Vietnam. Uh, and actually, my first exposure, to, I, I should mention that my family was not only not religious, uh, my whole extended family, but were vehemently anti-religion. They considered it superstitious and a waste of time. So I had no exposure whatsoever to religion growing up. But in 1963, you may remember a monk called Thich Quang Duc burned himself to death in, in uh, Saigon. Yeah. And I saw that on my little black and white uh, TV, and I was just amazed that this man was standing there, or sitting there, excuse me, uh, completely calm while he burned to death. So that made a big impression on me. For those of us that don't know or haven't been exposed to a lot of Buddhists, can you give us a, a background on the on the religion? Well, uh, here we get into the deep stuff. Uh, I could go on for hours, but I'll try to make it short. Basically... Buddhism teaches that um, we live in a world of delusion, and in order to become what they call enlightened, we have to overcome those delusions. And uh, in my teaching, the three things that I emphasize that we have to understand uh, the reality of are uh, impermanence, which is fairly easy to understand. We look around us all the time and see things ending and, uh, and changing and dying. Uh, Interdependence, which is we all depend on each other for our existence. We depend on animals for and plants for our food, and we depend on, on everybody who produces those things to bring it to us. And uh, perhaps the hardest to understand, emptiness. But fortunately, uh, in quantum physics recently, uh, particularly in what they call string theory, uh, there's been a lot of uh, development of that idea that all things are inherently empty. So when you, when you reference the string theory... And the emptiness. <laughs> give me, give me a little more. I'm not sure I quite understand that. Okay. 
Well, I'm certainly not a physicist, but basically what they're saying is that all things, that all people, everything in existence is basically made up of, uh, and I wish they wouldn't use the, st the word strings because that implies something physical, but actually what we're all made up of uh, is uh, bits of vibrating energy at heart. And by and by having the energy, we're actually made up of nothing but these little motions? Uh, yeah, pretty much. There's a, a great passage about uh, exploration with an electron uh, microscope where they go down and try to uh, explore the human body, and they, uh, they go through the various levels and eventually find the atomic level, and then they find what they hope will be a solid... Uh, center, which is the nucleus, but as they go in even further, they find that that's simply made up of vibration of, of energy. So as we get smaller and smaller, we find that there's more and more nothing. Exactly. So how does one become a become a priest? Well, in my case, uh, so here I was over in Vietnam, and uh, I had uh, a Thai ranger as my bodyguard slash interpreter. And uh, he knew of my interest in Buddhism, sparked by the Tikhwan Duk uh, self-immolation. So uh, we had a two-week uh, break and weren't allowed to return back to the States. So he suggested I go to Bangkok and become a monk for two weeks. And in Thai Buddhism, uh, all, virtually all males become monks at some point, when they're usually when they reach age 14. And they become a monk for a week or two or a month or the rest of their lives. So that's what I did. And becoming a monk means uh, means what? Well, a monk, uh, uh, usually in Buddhism, and there's a whole lot of different flavors of Buddhism, so this varies, but usually the word monk implies that you separate yourself from society, you uh, go off and become cloistered somewhere, you give up uh, uh, attachments to everyday things, you give up uh, sex, you give up, uh, uh, you eat only uh, one meal a day and that before noon, you get up very, very early in the morning and uh, do meditation and do uh, go out on alms rounds in, in the uh, cities and towns and uh, spend all your time at the temple. So it's one way of learning to have nothing. Does How does pipe smoking work into, into the practice of Buddhism? There's no doubt an attachment that I uh, probably, uh, you know, if I'm going to follow the letter of the uh, of the Dharma of the Buddhist teaching, you should get rid of. But uh, it's it's uh, I certainly don't consider it harmful or uh, uh, addictive, uh, and uh, so I don't think it's a problem. But in the in in the traditional in the traditional teachings, a a monk or a priest would the priest's job would be to continue to enlighten others, correct? Uh, the priest, uh, the, the monk's job would be to try to achieve enlightenment either in this lifetime or in future lifetimes and uh, uh, to serve the community. Uh, and in Thailand, uh, where I became a monk, uh, the people's only contact really with the temples are on uh, big holidays or daily when they give alms to the monks as they make their rounds. And in that way, they build what they consider to be merit, which they hope will, will count uh, to get them a better rebirth and eventually uh, enlightenment. Are there a lot of uh, are, are there a lot of Buddhist temples throughout the United States? There are indeed, and there are a whole lot here in Seattle. Is there a traditional day to go to? If I was interested to go and see a service. Well, there are various. 
various holidays, but uh, a lot of uh, uh, most of the American temples will have uh, services usually on a Sunday or uh, sometime during the weekend, and also uh, uh, usually the entry into Buddhism for lay people is uh, through meditation. So an awful lot of temples uh, in the cities in the U.S. and in North America offer meditation uh, classes as their entry point. And that's just a ta- just a chance for somebody to come and learn how to meditate or how to try to clear their head. Exactly. Something similar to what pipe smokers do when we sit down at the end of the day with our pipe and. You got it. That's one of my favorite forms of meditation. So let's uh, let's jump into the pipe smoking here for just a minute. Uh, the name Four Dot Sassini. Does that mean that you are a uh, fan of Sassinis? Well, I had uh, I was fortunate enough to be uh, in uh, Cambridge at Cambridge University in I think it was 1980, and Bacon's tobacconists were still in existence at that time. And I walked in and bought my one and only four dot Sassini, which of course has become one of my favorite pipes. So I adopted that name, and and it's stuck for now. It's stuck for now. Yep. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more. Uh, Pipes and Buddhism in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> in fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back. Bill is still on the phone. Bill, give me a little one question about Buddhism. Is there a is there truly a, a defined heaven and hell, or is that a is that a Judeo Christian concept? Well, as I said, there are many many flavors of Buddhism, and um, in uh, some uh, well, let's put this. Way. I was in uh, China a few years back, and we visited a little town called. Uh, it's called Hell Town or Hell City, and they have a very realistic uh, 3D uh, representation of what the Buddhist uh, hell is like, and they showed all these horrible punishments for various uh, sins. But uh, in general, uh, Buddhists do not believe in a, a Judeo-Christian type uh, of heaven, uh, and not all Buddhists believe in rebirth or reincarnation. It, it's just a very, very wide variety of beliefs within Buddhism. So I guess it just depends on what you get your what group you get in with. Exactly, and most uh, most uh, Buddhists do not uh, see the Buddha as a deity, although on the same uh, by, at the same time we have, uh, for instance, Chinese coming into the temples 
praying to the Buddha to have male children and to get rich and so on. But uh, normally he's not seen as a deity, so it's not a theistic religion, therefore no traditional heaven or hell. We have a we have a, a teaching called karma instead, which is a, considered a natural law, just like gravity. Uh, basically, says that the things you do uh, will have results in the future. So, what are the what are the duties of a of a Buddhist priest? Well, speaking from my my own standpoint, uh, I, um, I I conduct services. Uh, right now, I'm uh, working primarily at Seattle University, which happens to be a Catholic, a Jesuit university, but uh, they're very uh, interested in introducing their students to all type of belief systems. So we have a meditation group, and uh, we uh, we do services and so on, meet weekly. Then I also uh, do some chaplaincy. I go to the hospitals, visit sick patients. I do deathbed services. I do funerals. Uh, occasionally a wedding, although there's no formal uh, Buddhist wedding ceremony, so we sort of play it by ear. <laughs> just Just kind of wing that one? Exactly. Now, besides all, besides the priesthood, what else keeps you busy? Well, I also, as as a, a priest and a teacher, also teach. Uh, sometimes at the university, sometimes other places. Uh, I also uh, work. My wife is a professional photographer and travel writer, so I've uh, worked with her, uh, writing stories for magazines and newspapers. And uh, do some editing. Currently, I'm involved. Uh, just chap- just finished chapter 27 of 30 of a book a friend of mine is writing on modern Chinese history. That's got to be fairly intense. That is indeed intense, as uh, his uh, English is not 100% idiomatic, and uh, <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> uh, what what places have you traveled to? Oh my goodness. Uh, Pretty much traveled to every part of the world except Australia, where apparently we were fated never to visit because something always goes wrong at the last second. Uh, spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia, starting with my sojourn there in 1964. Been back several times. I've been back to Vietnam a couple of times. Uh, most recently, Cambodia. Uh, and uh, we've also done a lot of traveling up in the uh, far north in the Arctic. Been a lot of stories on. Uh, the Inuit and uh, polar bears and so on. That's got to be an amazing sight. Yes, it is. So now let's jump back to why we're all here in the pipe smoking. Right. Do you travel with your pipes? Yeah, I usually do. Um, I try to take at least a couple of pipes and some tobacco. Have you have you ever had anybody look at you funny about about the about traveling with the pipes and especially some of the the uh, less common places that you've been you know not not so much abroad but uh, the other day i was down in seattle's uh, chinatown smoking my pipe and i attracted the attention of a couple of uh, what i perceived to be uh, dealers of uh, that other herbal substance and they took a great interest in me and i had a very hard time convincing them that i was smoking tobacco and not what they were selling (laughs) how many how many pipes are you willing to admit to uh owning uh, somewhere between 40 and 50. I'm not quite sure. Every so often I discover another one hiding somewhere. And are you one of the, are, are you dedicated to one blend in particular, or do you keep multiple blends? Well, my, uh, my three favorites, uh, currently, uh, in the, uh, English family, I really like, um, 
the uh, Four Noggins uh, Button Day blend. And uh, an aromatic I've recently discovered and really like is uh, McClellan's, I think it's called Tastemaster. Yeah, Tastemaster. Yeah. And uh, for a crossover, no surprise here, Frogmorton Cellar. And are you also, uh, are you stockpiling or? Uh, somewhat, uh, simply because, uh, you know, I'm worried like everybody else about taxes going up and regulations getting tighter. Uh, I don't have a huge stash, but uh, I've been uh, I've been buying whenever I can. Uh, we've also just recently talked about tobacco taxes, and you're in one of the worst states possible being in Seattle. Not only am I in one of the most uh, high-tax states, but I'm in a state that considers it a felony to order uh, tobacco online and have it shipped into the state. <laughs> Buddhist priests arrested for ordering pipe tobacco online. Exactly. Yeah, really. <laughs> Yeah, Washington State, and it's also—is it hard to find a place to smoke out in out in public? Yeah, it is, and, and uh, as I said, sometimes you get some strange attention from people. Also, um, yeah, I have to be—I have to be uh, careful about where I smoke. Uh, uh, you're not allowed to smoke anywhere uh, near any of the buildings on the Seattle University campus, uh, so I try to find an isolated spot. Uh, it's a challenge. Now, when you're out. Do you wear any? Do you wear robes or do you wear normal, regular clothes? No, normally I wear regular clothes and only put on the robes when I'm conducting a service. Uh, so um, I, sometimes I wear uh, sort of a Chinese style. Um, well, you might almost call it a Tai Chi type suit under, uh, you know, just to walk around and then put the robes on on top of that. So, and with the pipe smoking, do you? Do you do that while you're while you're doing your while you're doing your writing or you're doing preparing for uh, for classes? Uh, I do pipe smoking wherever I can. Not while I'm doing services or while I'm in my robes, obviously. But um, my uh, now that it's summer, my favorite thing is to take a break away from my desk and go out on our deck. We live on on Tiger Mountain outside Seattle, so we live in the forest, and it's really nice to sit out there and. And watch the trees and the squirrels and the animals and smoke my pipe. That's my, as I said, my favorite form of meditation these days. It is. Uh, it's definitely a pretty area that you live in. Yeah. So with that, we'll wrap it up with the fast five final questions. I think we got one of them, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them to you anyway. So there's no okay. right or wrong answer, short or long, doesn't matter. Here they go. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's your favorite tobacco? My favorite tobacco, well, all, all in all, I'd say Frogmorton Cellar. And what's your favorite pipe? Any of my Peterson P-Lips, and uh, other than that, of course, my Ford Sassini, which I pretty much smoked, smoked to death, but keep trying. <laughs> Let me ask you this. With the Peterson P-Lip, did it take you a little bit of time to get used to it? No, not at all. I really like the way it feels in the mouth, and uh, I like the way it directs the smoke up towards the palate. I think I get a little more flavor that way. And what's your favorite drink? Huh. Well, uh, (laughs) uh, this is going to be a fairly long answer. I uh, suffer from various stomach uh, troubles probably um, brought on by my long stays in Southeast Asia. And a friend suggested that I try this uh, Bushmills, uh, I think they call it Bushmills Honey. It's a combination of Irish whiskey with honey and, quote, other flavors, whatever that may mean, mixed in. And that's become my favorite. <laughs> and where's your favorite place to smoke your pipe? 
At home, out on the deck in the forest. And I'm going to guess, but what's your favorite thing to do while smoking a pipe? Just sitting there, watching nature, and relaxing. And with that, we'll wrap it up. Bill, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service to the country. It has been my pleasure. Thank you very much. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. This just handed to me. New information revealing as to the exact reason why Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony. It appears he cracked the bowl on his favorite bent billiard and went into his local tobacconist to get a new pipe. And now back to our show. Welcome back. What a diverse group of people we have in our pipe community. If you want to learn more about Bill and the White Cloud Buddhist Society, the website is whitecloudbuddhism.org, W-H-I-T-E-C-L-O-U-D-B-U-D-D-H-I-S-M.org. Check out his website. Okay, here he is. The piece of music that uh, Kevin picked out for our uh, 4th of July Pipes Magazine radio show spectacular.
here's a little Jimi Hendrix doing the uh, national anthem. A little Hendrix experience. Managed to squeeze Hendrix into the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show. So, all right, mailbag and rant still coming up. We'll be back in just a minute. Does anything beat relaxing on the patio or playing 18 holes with a fine cigar during the summertime? Kathy of Cup of Joe's has the place for you. Queensberry Cigar and Pipe. Enjoy their cigar lounge with three large screen TVs or a patio to soak in the rays. You have to check out their beautiful cedar-lined walk-in humidor and their huge selection of pipes to choose from. They even have fast delivery for those of you that are out of the area. Queensberry Cigar and Pipe, Route 9, Queensberry. On Facebook under Cup of Joe's Cigars and Pipes and the web at cupofjoes.com. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back. Let's get through the mailbag here pretty quick. All right. Uh, Mr. Jerky, M-R-J-E-R-K-E. Thank you. Glad you found the podcast. Glad you're enjoying them. Don't listen to too many in one day. They can cause brain damage. Uh, Everybody else that commented on last week's show, thank you very much. Thank you for all the comments. I do want to bring your attention to something I found on YouTube that I believe is fun. If you go onto YouTube and search for Boca, B-O-C-A, Next word, Bennington's, B-E-N-N-I-N-G-T-O-N-S. On YouTube, there's uh, three parts of the videos of our own Kevin Godby's presentation to the uh, pipe club down there in Boca Raton, Florida. Fun to see Kevin in person. Want to see what he looks like? Want to hear him talk? There you go. Boy, there's lots of good sound clips that I could really play with if I wanted to, but I'll be nice. All right, uh, IPCPR, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association. It is a uh, 90% cigar and cigar-related show. However, some of us larger uh, pipe manufacturers will be there exhibiting. Uh, lots of It's a wholesale-only trade show, not open to the public. I will try to keep my Facebook page updated with some stuff from the show floor. So follow me on Facebook. It's Brian Levine. I'll be uh, popping up some pictures from the show if my phone's got a decent connection in there, but I'll do my best. Uh, There was a mention of the idea of doing uh, show notes for each episode. Uh, You know what I like better is uh, I like the little blurbs that Kevin writes up to give you an idea of what's coming up in the show, and then the shows are staying up there forever. So if you miss something, just listen to that section back again, and you'll uh, pick up all the information out of the show. Write it down while you're uh, tootling around. All right, we will be back in just a minute with my rant time. Have you ever found one of those magic pipes where anything you smoke in it tastes great? Do you know what makes a pipe magic? It's the wood. All Amadeus pipes are made from Grecian briar and come direct from the four generations family-owned briar mill. We supply wood to many of the top brand name factories and even to world-renowned pipe artisans. Now you can experience our ultra-high-grade briar at factory direct prices. We're the briar mill and we're the pipe makers. We've got every size, shape, and finish you can imagine at the best prices possible. From 50 to 150 and they're worth twice that. Get an Amadeus pipe now. They're magic and affordable. This is Internet Radio. Cowboy.
cowboy. You're an idiot if you smoke pipes more than $50. That was posted by our own Kevin Godby on Reverse Snobbery, and what got him started was a post in the forums about seven days ago called Way Out of Line, where Terry Goldman123 stated that he can't imagine any a $200 to $500 pipe smoking any better than a $50 to $100 pipe. He refuses to spend any more than that. For me, for him, it's $50 to $100, and he thinks anybody else that spends beyond that is crazy, is a fool. I think he's the fool, he's the idiot. He is the ignorant one. Why? Because first of all, one of the things that we as pipe smokers do is we don't place judgment on anybody for doing anything that they enjoy. I don't care if you live in a trailer, you drive a beat-up old pickup truck, and you like $800 pipes. You know what? That's your thing. Enjoy it. You're not hurting anybody. Do whatever you want to enjoy yourself. We don't need people like this coming into our hobby telling us what's wrong with us. We don't need people coming into our hobby telling us that if we enjoy an aromatic and they're Latakia English smokers, well, they're, then, then you're an aromatic smoker and therefore you're not, a, you're not a true pipe smoker. You're just smoking an aromatic and you're smoking Fruity Tootie. Well, I've heard that before and that's bull. It's all bull. If you enjoy smoking an aromatic, I don't care what you do. I know of one very well-known collector who collects high-grade, multiple-thousand-dollar pipes, loves an aromatic tobacco, has one that he only smokes. This is the kind of stuff that drives people into smoking cigars. It's a competition for them. It's not about competition. Our hobby is about enjoying pipes and enjoying tobaccos and enjoying the ones that we like, not being told what we're supposed to like or how much we're supposed to do. Well, I'm sorry, if you're ignorant, Terry Goldman, and you think that every pipe ought to be 50 to to $100, then you're going to get stuck with three different kinds of pipes and you're not going to have any friends out there because there are many of us that enjoy pipes in all different price ranges. We enjoy them for different reasons, different times of day, different thoughts. And at the end of the day, if a poster from Walmart is $3.99, then why is an original Renoir multiple millions of dollars? It all comes down to resale value and the quality and the reputation of that item. Otherwise, that Walmart poster would be $500,000 each. So, there you go. That's the rant for today. Check out that. Uh, check out those two posts on the uh, on the forums. Hey, make sure and leave us ratings and reviews on feed and uh, feedbacks on iTunes. We appreciate that. Post any comments that you got on the uh, on the show on the website. I check them out, all of them. Next week, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I want to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather.
Humanity.